This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi there, this is Alana from Praying Christian Women, and I am here with my co-host, Jamie. Today on our podcast, we're taking a little bit of a heavy topic, and we're going to be talking about the disappointments we feel when God doesn't answer our prayers and how to find us peace and healing in light of the fact that sometimes we don't get what we've asked for or what we're hoping from the Lord. So I pray that this episode is a blessing for you and an encouragement, and we're going to open in a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for being present in our lives. We just thank you so much for involving us in this process of prayer. But we just acknowledge to you and confess to you today that there are things in our lives that bring us disappointment when it comes to prayer. There are times when we feel we've waited too long for an answer, and there are times when we just flat out don't get the answers we ask for, and we feel alone, and we can feel confused. And we just pray right now, God, that as we just willingly come before you and look for your encouragement and your guidance, that you would open our hearts to who you are, that you would bring us peace and comfort, and just be present here today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And our verse of the day comes from Psalm 34, and I actually picked several verses, 17 through 20. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. But the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. I just thought this was really appropriate for today because it almost contradicts itself. I mean, kind of like our prayer lives where um, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles, but the righteous will have troubles. Um, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Um, and it, but it acknowledges we will be brokenhearted. We will be crushed in spirit. And I just think this is encouragement to start this discussion because at the end it says um, the righteous person may have many troubles. We may have these disappointments in prayer. We may have these times when we feel our prayers are unheard or unanswered. But God will deliver us from them all. Um, and it says he protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And I just feel like that's a, um, a promise that in our innermost part that we will be delivered. That even though we're in pain and, and we are confused, that in our innermost parts that God will preserve us and get us through it. So, um, yeah. Amen. Amen. That's some great encouragement. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, our just for fun question, this isn't a fun topic, but our just for fun question today is, when is the last time you cried? We're talking about disappointments and, you know, we're all, we've all been there. And, and so when is the last time you cried, Alana? So I forget if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I know, Jamie, I've told you the story of my nightmare. Yes. So I have been afraid of fish since I was 12 and had a snorkeling incident. <laughs> and like, I'm very, very afraid of fish. And I thought I was doing better. For example, like I took my kids into an aquarium and was able to walk through. And so I thought that 
I had gotten to the point where I just, no, I don't like fish. If I can choose to not look at fish, I won't, but you know, I'm not going to freak out. But I had a dream maybe about a month ago where there was a dead fish stuck in my hair and I woke up and I started sobbing. So sometimes have you ever had a dream where you're like, you're crying in your dream and then you wake up and like, oh, I guess I was really crying. This was different because I didn't start crying until I woke up and I started to cry because I still felt like it was in my hair, even though I knew I was awake. And I had to get up and take a shower. I changed my pillowcase. And if you were to ask my husband, like it wasn't just, oh, (laughs) that was a bad dream. Like I was sobbing my heart out because I couldn't get the feeling of just feeling so disgusted out of just my mind. So how how about you? That is terrible. (laughs) Oh, it was. It was awful. Well, the last time I cried was actually, it's kind of sad. It was a couple of weekends ago and my oldest son and I had kind of a, a, like one of the first, I don't know, it was a different kind of disagreement than we've had before, which is a sign of him getting older. He's in middle school now and just, um, I don't know, it was it was a different kind. It, it was a different kind of discussion and it just, it was, it was kind of a milestone of him. I mean, there was a little bit of disrespect involved, I think, because he's getting older and feeling like he knows more than I do. And so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was an emotional talk, but the reconciliation was more when I cried, I think. And so that Mm -hmm. was a good thing. So yeah, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks, but yeah, I I guess. How did he react? So you cried in front of him or did you like, you got upset and cried after? It was after. Yeah. Or maybe while I was, I was hugging him, something like that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And yeah, my kids don't like it when I cry and yeah, I've done it in front of them a lot (laughs) as a mom. I told my kids, um, I have three boys. I told them about my nightmare and I prefaced it with, you guys will be allowed to tease me about this in 24 hours. Right. Until then, you are not allowed to laugh. It's not funny yet. (laughs) (laughs) It will be. That's a good thing. I like that. Yeah. Well, like we've already said, we are talking today about just finding healing when your prayers aren't answered. And sometimes it's just, you know, minor disappointments like I prayed for nice weather so I could go on a walk and it rained. But I think sometimes people experience just these deep heavy setbacks that for some people really can shipwreck their faith or at least cause a lot of turmoil in their faith for a season. And that's what we want to address today. And we just want to start out by saying we are not coming at this topic with here is a list of theological points to explain why God doesn't answer our prayers. I'm sure at some point we'll probably do episodes about that. But right now we really just want to address the heart issue of what do you do when you have these disappointments? Because sometimes just knowing in your mind that God works everything out for good still doesn't help you find that healing. For example, if you've prayed for a child to come back to Christ and they haven't, someone just patting you on the back saying, well, you know, everything works out for a purpose. It might not be the encouragement you need right now. You know, it might not, sometimes that head knowledge isn't helpful. So we're really going to be talking about how to address these deep-seated heart wounds that we can get when we feel wounded by prayer or wounded by prayers that didn't come true the way we thought they would. Yeah. And before we jump into that, we 
kind of need to, I think, talk about, there are a couple of different kinds of prayer disappointments, I think, as I was thinking about it, you know, there are definitely the just permanent disappointments, you know, things like someone dies despite you praying for their healing or a broken relationship or divorce where, you know, you had prayed for reconciliation, but it's pretty apparent that at least without a huge miracle that, mm-hmm. that things are not going to work out the way that you had hoped. Um, and then there are also these other things, you know, like you mentioned, Alana, um, you know, like a long-term waiting on the Lord, like a disappointment or frustration because you've been praying so long for someone to come to the Lord or, you know, an unsaved friend or family member or a single person praying for a spouse or a prayer for a baby if you are struggling mm-hmm. with infertility. You know, these things still are, you know, very could come to pass. There are things that could potentially come to pass, but you're disappointed in the length of your waiting and pretty discouraged and convinced that it probably won't happen. So I think those are two different aspects of the same type of thing we're talking about today. For sure. And sometimes you don't know which one you're in. And I think regardless, you feel like you're in the permanent. So for example, like when, when Jamie and I started talking about this episode, I think it was in the forefront of both of our minds, issues of infertility, Mm -hmm. because it's not something that I've personally struggled with, but I do know that it's, it's a major roller coaster and we had a miscarriage before our first son was born. And it was a very early miscarriage. It was not anything out of the ordinary. But at that moment in time, and people sometimes did come up and say, well, you know, you're going to have healthy babies later on, or at least you know now that you can get pregnant. Or, you know, the worst was, well, there must have been something wrong with that baby. So it's a good thing that you miscarried. Mm. Those things don't help in the moment. So even if, you know, let's say you're praying for a spouse and you you are having such a hard time waiting and you don't know, you know, you really don't know God may or may not bring someone into your life and it may be tomorrow or it may be in 20 years. I think that when you're in the midst of the waiting, it almost doesn't matter if it's a permanent no, because that's how it feels like at that time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, we wanted to share kind of some examples from our own lives. So, Alana, did you have some things in mind that you have gone through where you felt like you've had disappointments in your prayer life? Yeah. One of the things that we went through was my husband and I met because we both had the desire to be missionaries in Russia with the same organization. And we got married, and the very next week, like part of our honeymoon trip was driving up to Oregon to finish our application process and go through these interviews. We moved to Alaska in order for my husband to, con- to finish his Bible training. Everything for the first two years of our marriage was directed toward getting onto the mission field. And by the time we arrived in Alaska, we had raised a little over a third of our support. So we were already, we already had people committed to supporting us. And we just knew that this was God's plan for us. But then when our son Silas was born, he had very severe medical issues. And we knew that those could not be addressed in Russia. And it was just an impossibility. And we both went through periods of grieving that loss, of feeling very confused you know, God, why did you bring us together? Why did you give us this dream of Russia? Why did you tell us 
or what we thought you told us that we were going to be missionaries to Russia and it didn't happen. So yeah, that left a lot of just confusion and I don't quite want to say heartache because there was a part of me that was already getting a little nervous about raising kids overseas. But I think for me, the biggest was just confusion. It almost felt like we had failed a test. Like God said, okay, you guys want to be missionaries? Let's see if you can jump through these hoops and then I'll let you know. And it felt to me sometimes like we had somehow failed, you know, and I don't think that's how God works. And I'm so thankful that we ended up permanently in Alaska, but there was a lot of confusion, which still today remains, you know, fairly unresolved. Yeah. And I think that brings up a really good point that when you're in the midst of being disappointed uh, in your prayer life um, and relationship with God, the enemy just jumps on that with lies. Mm -hmm. And just because I've had similar things, not to that extent, but just where I just, I've heard just lies about why, well, you start to speculate, well, why didn't this happen the right way? Maybe I'm not deserving of it, or maybe God doesn't care, or maybe God, you know, wants to bless someone else and at my expense. And, and those are all lies from the enemy. So it's so important to try and, and keep your mind recognizing, you know, recognizing truth. But again, like you said, when you're in the thick of it, it's not so easy. It's just, it's not. It's not. Um, yeah. And your story reminds me of a similar story of, on a totally different, you know, topic. But um, where in college, I, I met a guy. And um, when I first, like the day that I met him, I remember thinking like for this thing goes through my head. This is the man I'm going to marry. And I kind of hung on that. I was like, wow, that. I've heard people say that happens, but that really happened. And mm-hmm. I guess I am going to marry him. And throughout our relationship, I believed we were going to get married and we even got engaged. And during our engagement, he started to have some serious doubts about our relationship. And um, I just thought it was, you know, kind of a, a, a hurdle that we had to go through and never thinking that we would get unengaged <laughs> and we planned our wedding we sent out invitations and but it just through these um, doubts that he was having and talking through things it just became really apparent to me that we weren't supposed to get married but in the midst of that I had people you know at least one other person that said oh no God God told me that you're going to get married and mm. So it was really confusing because I prayed through this and I did sort of like the Gethsemane prayer at that point. I prayed, God, please, please, I want to marry this person. Please let us get married, restore our relationship, you know, bring him to his senses. Um, (laughs) And, but not your will, but mine. I think still in the midst of that, like I remember rereading some journals, you know, in the last few years and realizing I did keep saying, I I think in the midst of it, I kind of knew, okay. I don't want to plow through with this relationship if it's not God's best because then there's going to be trouble, you know? Right. So anyway, um, but it's the same kind of thing where I believed it was God's will. I didn't understand how it couldn't be for us to be together. And so it was very confusing for me and um, gave me that kind of, like, just... I felt lost when we oh, broke. For sure. you know, yeah. So, so let me ask you, cause Scott and I had a similar moment, or I should say I had a similar moment where I really sensed God was telling me that Scott and I were going to get married 
and we did, but we went through a time where we broke up. And I remember feeling so confused during that time. And did you ever get clarity? Like how, when you look back, do you just feel as if you heard God wrong or how do you kind of reconcile that in your mind right now? So I, I think that, uh, yes, I think I did hear God wrong. I think I really wanted him to be the person that I wanted to marry um, because I met my husband now and we have our kids and, you know, I look back and, and, even if I look back during times, if I'm completely honest, there there are times when I think, well, what if I had married him? You know, what would things have been different? And yeah, I mean, things would have been different, but God has just really shown me that he put me with the person that I'm with because it was his best. And mm-hmm. in the time being disappointed in what I wanted at that time, um, I don't know. I I obviously couldn't see that. And so it was very disappointing. I had hope that, you know, yeah, sure, there's someone else out there for me. But I also thought maybe I'll be single forever. You know, I thought maybe this is what God wants for me is to be single forever. And yeah. But yes, at now looking back, I believe, yes, I, I believe that I heard God wrong. I believe that me thinking this is the man I'm going to marry was just me liking the guy. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That the person, it's another kind of side note, the person that told me, yes, I believe that God's telling you that you're supposed to get married. Um, you know, that was dangerous for that person to tell me that because it, it, it added to my confusion at that point in time. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I definitely feel very blessed and happy and thankful that I am in this position now where I'm yeah. married to my husband now. We're, yeah. I forget who said it, but basically someone said, like, what what happens if I marry the wrong person? You know, like someone asked them that. Because sometimes you do worry that. And their answer, I love it. It was basically, you know what? The moment you're married, that's the right person. (laughs) And seriously, I just, you know, I, I believe that. That yes, I mean, what the moment you're married, that's the right person, and God is going to refine you through that marriage. God is going to bless you through that marriage, and and because yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. So we've shared some of our stories. There are also quite a few people in Scripture who went through either seasons of having to wait for God's answer, or people who just never got what they prayed for. I think of the first one that comes to mind is, you know, Paul, and he talks about his thorn in the side, you know, whatever this affliction was that he had. Mm -hmm. And three times he asked God to take it away. And God said, no. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And I think that right there is enough to fly in the face of people who believe that anything you pray for, if you have enough faith, God's going to give it to you. Because I don't, think we could look at Paul and fault him for not having enough faith. You know, it just was not within God's will to heal him in this way. Well, yeah. And Paul had the wisdom to listen for God and to know when it was time to stop praying for that thing and, and to hear back that God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And I don't know how God made that known, but you know, Paul came to terms with that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that was, yeah, that was very interesting. I think of Jesus himself, you know, like, take this cup from me. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and, you know, he did 
add on at the end, not my will, but yours, Father. But he, he did ask, you know, is there any way for this cup to be taken from me? Um, and there's this quote from Philip Yancey that I loved. He said, when Jesus prayed to the one who could save him from death, he did not get that salvation. He got instead the salvation of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't want to in any way minimize, you know, what what you're going through right now if you're struggling with a disappointment in prayer or a deep wound um, in, in a time of waiting. Um, but one thing that we can keep in mind is that whatever is happening or not happening, that God is at work, that he's at work to bring about your ultimate best and to... Um, you know, like in, in Jesus' case, he didn't get that momentary salvation and it looked like the worst possible thing for his life. But instead, you know, God created and accomplished this amazing thing for humanity and mm-hmm. Jesus was resurrected. But that that brings us to Job, you know. He ended up with a happy ending, but he suffered great loss and it was a great permanent loss, you know. Exactly. And, and, and so, you know there's that possibility that there is incredible permanent loss. And I think yeah. one, one danger, and this is, this is thinking that I've come across in my own mind, sometimes I think, well, maybe this suffering is for someone else's good. Maybe this person died so that someone else could be blessed somewhere. And I don't know, that, that concerns me when we think, you know, that, that God is punishing us in a way so that somebody else can be blessed. Does that make sense? Are you familiar with that line of thinking? You know, I've thought about that a lot with our son Silas, who had all the health problems, and we know that there's at least one person who was saved directly as a result of what our family went through. And as a Christian, you think, oh, that's wonderful. That makes it all worth it. But as a mom, you think, well, that's still my kid who had to go through that, you know? So yeah, I've, I've asked myself that too. But I think it's encouraging to know that sometimes, I think you're right, that when we suffer, it's so we can help other people who go through similar sufferings. Yeah, and, you know, we, as we said, we could dig deep into all kinds of theology of why people suffer and all of that, but, but our, our big picture takeaway is to just remember who God is, you know, for us to just remember through your disappointments, remember that God is only good, that he's only concerned for um, glorifying himself in your life and um, making you more like Christ and, mm-hmm. um, and that he's a God of comfort. He's not a God of, you know, just, I think for myself, I, I just want to always remember that, that he is good because sometimes we can get these pictures in our heads of him. Well, maybe he's not happy with me or like your missionary story of, well, maybe, maybe he didn't find us to be good enough or, or able to measure up. And, and so just to, to make sure to keep, keep in the forefront of, of who God really is and how he sees you. And so I think that can be really a helpful exercise is just kind of, you know, repeating the things that you know about God, the things that you know about who you are to him. I agree. And I know I've been in situations where it's been really helpful and encouraging to just dwell on the fact that God doesn't change. Mm -hmm. So for example, when Silas was in the hospital as a baby, we didn't know if he was going to live. We didn't know if he was going to have permanent, you know, significant disability. 
And I remember asking myself, well, how would I praise God if Silas were instantaneously healed? Mm. And then to remind myself, he's the exact same God now that he would be at that moment. And so I would try to remember that, you know, to praise God for the good as well as the bad, basically like what we see in Job's story. Yeah, that's really powerful. That is so powerful to think, how would I be praising God if life looked the way I wanted it to look, Mm -hmm. if I got my miraculous healing or my perfect job or spouse or whatever it is, and then praise him that way. I love that. That's yeah. That's cool. There's a verse I'm going to botch. It might be from Habakkuk. <laughs> <laughs> Fair warning. But basically, you know, it starts with even though, you know, even though mm-hmm. I think they were going through a famine, even though there's no figs on the fig trees or vines, <laughs> you know, even though none of these good things are happening, yet I will praise you. And again, this is the Alana paraphrased version. I'm sorry, I didn't have it in front of me. But sometimes when we're going through these things where we don't know if God's going to answer our prayers, to just ask ourselves, even if God doesn't, are you still going to praise him? And it's it's like one quarter cheesy, three quarters powerful. But have you seen the movie, which is the Christian movie where it, I think it's the one with the football team and the wife's. Oh, right. The Titans? Like not no. the ti- I mean not the Titans facing um, the Giants facing the Giants yeah I'm thinking yeah. remember the Titans a totally right different right football movie different football movie but you know <laughs> the wife has been struggling with infertility and she goes to the clinic she's sure she's pregnant and she gets another negative result yeah and she has to ask herself if I never have a baby am I still going to praise God And that, you know, like I had to ask myself that when Silas was in the NICU, if my baby dies, and not only that, if God allows my baby to die, will I still praise him? Mm -hmm. And sometimes those, even though questions or those, even those statements really can be powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember, um, I remember reading recently in um, Jennifer Kennedy Dean's book, um, live a praying life. She Mm -hmm. talks about a time when she was a teenager and her brother who was two years younger than her was diagnosed with cancer and um, that her whole family was a praying family and that they prayed tirelessly. Their whole community prayed for him to be healed. And basically it was, it came as a huge shock to them when he died. Mm -hmm. Um, They really believed that God would heal him fully. Um, And she said they experienced miracles like throughout, like, you know, the significant shrinkage of a tumor that extended his life for another year or more. Um, But he ended up dying. And she said she was so confused and just disappointed and frustrated. And, but she said uh, in the midst of that disappointment and, and just at that point in her faith, she didn't understand who God was. um, But what she experienced was what she called just a blanket of peace, like a tangible mm-hmm. presence of God that kind of covered some of that pain. And, and her whole family experienced this. And, um, you know, that's just a, you know, it's a reminder that in these times when the circumstances are devastating, um, that, that one thing you can look to is that peace and, and that you can look for and, and, and look to recognize is that, that peace that happens even in the midst of tremendous heartache. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that our hope is in the person and character of God, 
mm-hmm. not in the answers to our prayers. Yeah. And sometimes that's a hard distinction, you know? Yeah. It's hard to separate those. It is. So what are some of the practical tips that we can leave listeners with who might be going through these sorts of prayer struggles? Well, when you look in Scripture, it's actually full of lament and, you know, the, some of the psalmists, some of the... Um, Lamentations, um, but some of the some of the the writers did not filter their disappointment or their frustration or their tire in waiting for God's justice or whatever it is. And so, you know, maybe to journal a letter to God, um, express your disappointments in great detail, and to recognize that God can take it, that um, that He wants our honesty. Um, and you know, not for the end goal of getting yourself into a negative place, but for the end goal of kind of working through some of those disappointments Mm -hmm. so that you can deal with them and, and, but taking them to God instead of stuffing them down and allowing the enemy to cause a root of bitterness to grow. I think think sometimes as Christians, we think our job is to hurry through the healing process as fast as we can so that we can be a good witness to others. And sometimes the real witness comes through the way we allow God to take the time that it takes to bring that full healing instead of, like you said, just stuffing it in the, you know, the back drawer. Right. Or putting on a happy face and saying, I am so blessed, but inside you're Mm -hmm. dying, you know, And, and being real. Um, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned this praising God. I just, I love that. Just praising God in the midst of it. Um, even though you're going through a very difficult time, praising him as if you would praise him otherwise. Um, and you Mm -hmm. can do that through worship music, or if you're not musical, you could praise him through praying through Psalms or even like naming attributes of God from A to Z, just thinking of these different, um, different attributes of who God is and just focusing your thoughts on the positive and who God is and, and who you are in him. Yeah, that was huge in sustaining me through Silas's time in the NICU. Mm-hmm. It's just singing, kind of surrounding myself, making it a discipline. Because up until then, I always liked to sing, and so I never really had to make myself. Yeah. But at this time, it really was the last thing I feel like doing is singing, <laughs> Mm-hmm. But to make that an actual discipline and a commitment, I am going to praise God even though, you know, my son might die. And did you feel that once you took that step of obedience that your heart was in it? Sometimes it was, and sometimes it was sheer discipline and determination. But I remember at one point the church we had been going to at that point, we had been going to mostly contemporary churches in terms of music style. Mm-hmm. And I just, I got to where I could not think, I couldn't stomach another like little happy praise chorus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, like I, I like them and I love them, but I just was not in the mood for, you know, something like that. And so I stretched back. I started to sing It Is Well With My Soul. And mm-hmm. I think out of my entire time in the NICU, that's the memory that stands out the most was just 
like I think I got to where I was singing kind of loud. Like I was in the NICU. It was, um, you know, like nurses all around, other moms, other babies. I mean, I wasn't belting it, but, you know, if you were to walk by me, I'm sure you could have heard. But I just remember realizing, you know, whatever my lot, thou has taught me to say it is well with my soul. And, and just getting to the point where I could say that and believe it. So, yeah, for me, it was, you know, some of both. Sometimes I just did it because I kind of, knew that that was going to keep my faith afloat. And sometimes God absolutely met me there in the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and just, you know, to keep in mind that it's okay if you don't feel happy while you're singing praise or reading the Psalms. It's okay if your emotions aren't there yet. But, yeah. you know, like you said, just going through those motions. And, you know, I believe that that it, it praise is waging war in the heavenlies and that there is, you know, a battle being won with your praise and, you know, for, um, you know, paving the way for that joy and for that restoration. I agree for sure. And I'm really glad you brought up the Psalms earlier, Jamie, because you can read them like those are not happy. (laughs) Some of them are. Some of them are not. A lot of them are, you could tell that whoever wrote them was in a super dark place. And I think that's confirmation that it's okay to be in a dark place mm-hmm. and God can meet you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, giving thanks. That's another thing. And you can do that A to Z too. Give thanks, you know, from A to Z for things that you're thankful for. And if you can bear it to give thanks for the disappointment, if you're in a place where that is possible, there's power, I think, in giving thanks for that thorn. You know, mm-hmm. like Paul's thorn in his flesh. I, you know, therefore I delight all the more in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. But sometimes you can't. Some disappointments, they might be too new and too deep and too raw that you might not be able to. And that's okay also. Um, but you can find things within that. Start looking for God at work. So maybe, you know, uh, well, Alana, like what would be some things around, you know, some some small things that you could have thanked God for around Silas's illness. Um, yeah, I, I definitely can see times where I couldn't say, thank you, God, that my kid's, you know, so sick. But I could say, thank you for these nurses who are being so attentive. Mm-hmm. Thank you for this medical technology that's keeping him alive. Thank you that the rest of our family is able to stay here at the hospital and not leave our kid for six weeks, you know? Yeah. So I, I feel like sometimes you can give thanks for the disappointment itself, but if you're not there yet, like Jamie said, you can give thanks around that. Give thanks that you have provisions. You know, one of the things that Scott and I said to each other quite a bit when we were in the NICU was, for what we're going through, we are so blessed. So compared to... Anybody else who had to have a kid in the NICU, we had everything we needed. Mm -hmm. We were able to stay there at the hospital. We had expenses covered by insurance. We had people just pitching in with prayer support and practical support. So we were truly blessed, and we were able to appreciate those things. But no, at the moment, I don't think there were many times where I could have said, thank you that Silas is this gravely ill. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you cannot even, you know, there, there are times when you can't 
pray yourself. You might be so mm-hmm. overcome that you can't bring yourself to pray. I remember when, when my mom um, was doing really poorly, she had dementia, and my dad was taking care of her, and he got to the point where he just said, you know, I'm, I'm all prayed out. He just was so tired and so at the end of his rope. He just didn't even know what to do and how to pray. And so if you're there, you can ask someone to pray for you or pray over you, you know, whether it's a pastor or your husband or a friend or, um, you know, someone that can that can lift you up when and, and say the words that your heart's feeling but can't really verbalize. I think that's a really important one is to be willing to ask for prayer help during those times. Yeah. And then I think finally, if you're in a place where, you know, this might be good for some of the smaller disappointments, not that any disappointment is, you know, to be made light of, but if you're at a place where you feel that you can do this, praying for someone else, um, just this has helped me at times when I've been so focused on the disappointment or the frustration. Um, but then God has called me to pray for someone else. I've, I've encountered someone else going through something difficult. And turning that focus outward, there was just, um, I don't know what it is. It's something about, I mean, not only just not the time and the mental space given to dwelling on the thing that I was dealing with, but turning that focus outward and kind of, you know, tapping into God's power and, and seeing God work in someone else's life or being part of God's power being unleashed in their life. I mean, it was healing and it had nothing to do with what I was going through, but it was healing. I think so. I think that's a neat spot to be able to be in. But I also say, you know, if you're not at that spot, don't push it. Do you not. Know. Yeah. Be where you are and be okay with that. Like I said, I feel like a lot of Christians, and I think maybe this impacts Christian women more than it would men, is feeling like we have to present our best face so that mm-hmm. outsiders will see, you know, oh, what a good Christian she is. She can be going through this hard time and be so happy. When sometimes when we're being phony, like that's way more apparent than we think that it is. Yeah, and it, it was funny in a Bible study I was in recently. Um, a couple of women shared things, and each one around the table shared something, and it and everyone was just nodding their heads, and you know, like just when you share with others your struggles, many times it's it frees them to let down their guard and take their mask off, and mm-hmm. and let you know feel okay about having struggles and and moving forward together. I mean, not that we should commiserate and bring each other down in any respect, but but to be able to just be real is important and not to just feel like, okay, I got to, you know, cinch up my bootstraps and move forward um, because that's not always where you're at. Yeah, so I'm really glad we were able to have this discussion. And again, our prayer for you guys listening is that if you are going through one of these seasons of intense disappointment, that when you don't feel the need to rush through it, and two, that you feel the freedom to be completely honest with the Lord and with others, for sure. So we want to leave you now with a blessing and a benediction. 
May the Lord sustain you through sickness and the frailty of human flesh. May his grace be sufficient and his power made perfect in our weaknesses, so that it will be obvious to everyone that what we have accomplished has been accomplished through Christ. While we groan inwardly, awaiting our heavenly treasure that will never perish, spoil, or fade, may the power that raised Jesus from the dead work mightily in us as we wait for the day of his glorious appearing. And our benediction comes from Romans 15.33. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen.